Hello, brothers and sisters. It's now over a month of the enhanced uh, community quarantine, and it seems like this is going to be extended all the way to May 15. And so I would like to submit to you that we need to stay home and stay safe. And so let's continue to worship the Lord in spite of our situation. And we will get into the Word of God. But before we dive into God's Word, allow me to once again share to you a few announcements. Once again, all our services are still suspended until further notice. We enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Kindly visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated. And also please check out our website, www.livingword.ph. And also please check out our YouTube channel to view all of our services. Our sermon, by the way, can also be heard over radio on DYFR FM 98.7 every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening. We're also seen on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 in the evening. So again, I encourage you to continue watching all of our videos and our Sunday streaming. My next book, More Than Enough, was scheduled for release this coming April, but it has been delayed because of the lockdown in Luzon. It is already in the book binding stage. And so we are just waiting for the lockdown to be over so that they could ship the book to us already. Uh, at this time, we're still offering our uh, pre-selling price at 300 pesos. The actual retail price is 350 pesos. So if you buy right now, then you can avail of a 50 peso discount. The book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings. And I think this is very timely in view of the COVID-19 crisis. And I believe that this is not the end of the crisis that we will be facing for 2020 and 2021. So this book will be a very helpful guide to all of us. So kindly text your orders to 0931-037-6944. I'd also like to announce to you our new gospel-centered discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. It is available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen right now. And then please do not forget that we're going to have our interactive midweek table talk this coming Wednesday and every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. It's going to be interactive because we will be entertaining questions online and I hope to be able to provide some answers from the scriptures. Also, we're going to have a new program right now. We're going to have live intercession every Friday at 2 p.m. And so we're actually uh, going to start uh, we actually started rather this week but uh, we will continue this on until the lockdown continues now this is only for the living word members of our church we have some giving channels for you if you decide to bless and partner with the work of the Lord you can deposit your love offerings to the following banks Banco de Oro account name LWCCCII 
And then account number is 0010006080. And then if you'd like to deposit with our BPI account, the account name is Living Word Christian Ministry Cebu Incorporated. The account number is 10210234811. And then finally we have RCBC. Account name is LWCCCII. Account number is 1452005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Just simply go to www.livingword.ph and click the word give. There's a dialogue box that comes out of it and you can click on your giving preferences. We're now ready to go to God's Word. The title of today's sermon is Finding Joy Amidst COVID-19. I'd like to invite each one of you to please rise from where you are right now and let's stand up to honor God's Word. We will be reading Psalm 63. If you've opened your Bibles, let's all read together aloud. It says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praise with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Let me invite you in a short word of prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, once again, it is your day. This is the Lord's Day, Sunday. And we rejoice that we could come before you in praise and worship, and we can come before you to study your word. Your words are spirit and they are life, and they are the very words, Lord, that strengthen, empower, reinvigorate our spiritual lives. And today, once again, we would like to renew our strength we would like to renew our spiritual bearings. And so we cling on to you, O God. We seek your face at this time. And Lord, we know that you will not disappoint your people. Your presence will be manifested in our own homes where we are situated. And Lord, you will open our hearts. You will open our minds and our spiritual eyes that we might see your power and your glory. I pray for myself, O God that your anointing will be upon me once again, so that as I speak, Lord, I might speak with the voice of a prophet, so that every need might be ministered to, O God. 
I pray that you might glorify your name because this is what we truly desire and this is exactly, Lord, what you deserve. We give you praises and thanks in Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, Rejoice. However, let's be honest at this time. I think most of us are actually fighting for our joy. And the reason why we are fighting for our joy is because we have been stripped of so many things in our lives right now. And we have begun to adjust to what is called as a new normal. And the new normal is all about social distancing. It's all about work at home. And guess what? It's even church at home right now for us. So the big question for all of us is, how do I fight for my joy? Or how do I find joy amidst COVID-19? I believe this question is very relevant for all of us because a lot of people are actually suffering depression at this point in time. Or if not depression, maybe you're suffering boredom. And because of that, you don't have that joy of the Lord. And so we're wondering, how can I recover the joy of the Lord in my life? Thankfully, Psalm 63 offers us a steady supply of answers to that question. I'd like to share to you a little outline to help us in our study this morning. Now, just to let you know, this psalm, by the way, was well loved by a lot of people. In fact, it has been loved by believers of all time coming from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me quote to you Chrysostom, the well-known early church father, and this is what Chrysostom said. It was decreed and ordained by the primitive fathers that no day should pass without the public singing of this psalm. Once again, this is what he said. It was decreed and ordained by the primitive fathers that no day should pass without the public singing of this psalm. Now, this, uh, this tells us the importance of this particular psalm to all generations, be it in the Old Testament or now in the New Testament. And I think the same is true for us now in this year of 2020. So once again, going back to the outline that I promised you, here it is. First of all, the first point is David's earnest seeking of God, which is found in verses 1 to 5. In verse 1, it talks about the intentionality of his seeking. In verse 2, it talks about the purpose of his seeking. Verses 3 to 5 talks about the result of his seeking, and that is worship. Now, in our second point, in verses 6 to 10, we're going to talk about God's display of loving kindness. And where do we see that? First of all, in the past, in verses 6 to 7. Secondly, we see it in the present time, in verse 8. And finally, also in the future, in verses 9 to 10. A third and final point would be the result of David's earnest seeking in verse 11, which is joy and vindication. 
This happens to be the climax of this particular psalm, and what we truly want to have is the joy of the Lord. Hopefully, at the end of the sermon, we would be able to say, Rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say, Rejoice. Let's now go and dive into our study. Now, allow me to give you a little background in regard to the psalm so that we could appreciate the words that are written here by David himself. So in this background, majority of the Bible scholars would place the timeline of this particular psalm during the time when David was running away from his very own son, Absalom. Absalom had actually just staged a coup d'etat. And so what happened was David ran away with his faithful soldiers and men, and they were headed towards the wilderness. And so what had happened at that time was David was removed from Jerusalem and obviously he was also removed from temple worship which he adored and loved so much. Now here's a little point of reflection. Isn't this what you and I are feeling right now? We're feeling like we have been separated or removed from our temple worship because we can no longer gather as a church in the facility that God has built for us. And so we are now beginning to feel a certain distance, not a distance with God, but a distance with each other and a distance from the very place where we gather together as a church. And so once again, this is probably how you and I feel at this time. So again, this is quite relevant for our study today. Now let's talk about the setting of this particular psalm because David wrote that this was something that he had written when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now the wilderness in Judah or the Judean desert is 1,500 kilometers of parched land. It is a very harsh environment to live in. And by the way, the Judean desert happens to be connected as well to another desert in the south, which is called the Negev or the Negev Desert. Now, just a little bit of trivia. The Negev Desert actually composes 65% of the present-day territory of Israel right now. So you're talking about a vast land of desert. Now, here's a point of reflection. When you think about the desert, and of course, maybe some of us cannot relate to that, but uh, I know that we can at least imagine being in the desert. You've probably seen it in the movies. And so if you are in the desert, or, or when you happen to be in the desert, what is the thing that comes into your mind? I think there's one word that comes into our mind, and that is the word thirst. Isn't that what you and I would feel when you and I are in the desert? Now, in our previous visits to Israel, actually one of the things that they had as a national problem was that they had a drought. And the drought had actually decimated the size of the waters in the Dead Sea. In fact, going around the Dead Sea, you would find certain sinkholes because of a lack 
of water. So once again, in the desert, that's what you and I feel. And actually, if you really think about it, our situation in COVID-19 is much like the desert. Because right now, we're feeling a kind of thirst that is figuratively speaking. We have a thirst, for example, for social interaction. And we were not actually made for social distancing. When God created man, God did not create man to be alone, to be an, uh, to be an isolated person. As we often hear said, a cliche, no man is an island. And so for us believers, we miss gathering together with God's people. I'd like to quote to you Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, just to emphasize the need for social interaction. It says in Genesis 2, verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. This is the reason why God created Eve. Once again, this tells us that man was made for social interaction. So we're thirsty for social interaction. What else are we thirsty for? I believe one of the things that we are thirsting for as well right now is work. Man was not made to lie down in bed 24-7. We were made for work. And that is why right now, being in quarantine, I'm sure that we are feeling a bit uneasy. Maybe some of you are actually gaining weight right now because there seems to be no work that is to be done. And so we're thirsting to do something. We're thirsting to do work. That is why I've seen some posts on Facebook. There are some people who are into gardening right now. There are some people who are learning how to cook right now. And so the reason behind that is because we have a thirst for work. Once again, uh, taking something from the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, here's what it says about one of the purposes of God for man. It says, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. There you find the purpose statement why he was put in the garden of Eden, to cultivate it and to keep it. So once again, what do we see here? Man was created for work. So yes, figuratively speaking, we do feel like we are in the desert. Now here's the next question I'd like us to reflect on. So what do we do to quench the thirst that we now have? What do we do to quench the thirst for social interaction? What do we do to quench the thirst for work that we have right now. As much as we would like to go back to our regular routine of social interaction and working once again, I believe that God is teaching us something that is so much deeper. And we have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is actually teaching us. Again, he wants us to learn something much, much deeper. Now, the desert taught David one particular thing, the irreducible minimum, and the irreducible minimum is God himself. 
I'd like you to try to imagine an onion. I'm sure that most of us understand what an onion is. And most especially for those who are chefs or cooks, you understand that an onion has several layers of skin. And what is actually happening right now to us is those layers of skin in our lives are slowly being stripped away. So layer upon layer upon layer is being stripped until finally, what do we have? Finally, we just have God. And I think that is the most powerful lesson of COVID-19. When everything else is taken away from us, there is one thing that remains, and that is God Himself. And I'm hoping and praying that you and I are learning that lesson in our lives right now. Now, in our study, I gave you an outline, so we're going to begin with David's earnest seeking of God, which is found in verses 1 to 5. And so, first of all, we're going to talk about the intentionality of his seeking in verse 1. But first of all, let's read the title. Remember that I told you the title is very important because it provides for us the context of our study. It provides us an understanding of the emotions that were running through the psalmist. And in this particular case, the psalmist, of course, is David. So it reads... A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now here's something I'd like you to know about the desert. It's not just really about the desert. Because as I mentioned to you a while ago, and let me just remind you, there was a coup d'etat that was staged by Absalom, the son of David. So David was forced to run into the Judean wilderness. But think about this. By running into the Judean wilderness, he was actually stripped of so many things. He was actually stripped of his kingship. He was actually stripped of his kingdom. He was actually stripped of his palace with all its conveniences, with all of its comforts. All of that was now gone in the wilderness of Judea. And not only that, he was also stripped of his worship at the temple, which he loved so much. Remember that he even instituted musicians in temple worship. So this was obviously something that David was greatly missing. And I'm sure that we can relate to this because we've been stripped of so many things. Now we no longer can go to the malls and have a time of leisure some of us miss going to the beaches. I'm sure that there are many beach lovers out there, and we miss that. We miss strolling out with our families or maybe dining in this restaurant, be it a fancy restaurant or a simple fast food restaurant. We miss those times. We miss those times when we could laugh together and have jokes with our own friends. We miss the times when we could gather with our small group members and, and cell group members. There are so many things that we actually do miss right now. We've been stripped away, just like, as I mentioned to you, 
We have been stripped just like an onion. The layers of our lives have been stripped away. So this is actually the situation that David was in. And I believe, friends, that this is the place where God is actually bringing us into. He is bringing us into a desert. This is the desert of our lives. And so it's beginning to feel very much like that. He's not taking us to basketball arenas where we uh, have replaced God with basketball icons. He's not bringing us to MGM Grand in Las Vegas to watch this boxing gods duke it out with each other. He's no longer bringing us to cinemas where the gods and goddesses of Hollywood have enthralled us with romantic movies and action movies. He's no longer bringing us to our workplace, which unfortunately for some of us has become an altar wherein we have sacrificed our own families. And may I add, maybe we have even sacrificed our own values. We have actually replaced God in our lives. And that is why he is bringing us right now in this desert. And maybe it's not enough. Maybe that's the reason for the extension of this ECQ up until May 15. And we don't even know. We're not even sure if it will be extended farther than May 15. It could well happen. As I mentioned to you. In one of the table talk videos that we did in Wuhan, it took them three to four months before they went back to something like normal living. So could it be that this will extend for quite a bit of time? If it is extended or if it will be extended, then know that God has brought us to this place. And so my question is, what do you do right now in the desert? What are you learning right now in the desert? Our problem is that although God has created us for relationship, for social interaction, although God has created us for work, you know the problem? The problem is that we have replaced God with our work we have replaced god with our relationships we have put him in the periphery of our lives we have marginalized god we have taken god out of the center remember this god is the center of gravity our work is not the center of gravity our social interaction, our relationships is not the center of gravity. The center of gravity, my dear brothers and sisters, is God himself. God is supposed to be our supreme treasure. He is supposed to be our chief treasure. And somehow, maybe, this is something that has been lost. So God has brought us to the desert. That we might renew our first love back to Him. That we might repent from the place where we have fallen. And from the place where we have fallen, we can stand up right now and make God once again the very center of our lives. Make God once again at the center of our hearts. Let God be enthroned once again in our lives. I believe this is what God 
is teaching us. Now, in verse 1, it says, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, just a little sidetrack, which I feel is very important here. The word God, Elohim, Eli, is actually a plural title. Isn't that interesting? Somehow this supports the doctrine of the Trinity. Now David says here, O God, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. Now some actually translate this as early will I seek you. Now, of course, that could be applied literally. And in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ woke up early in the morning. He woke up dawn time. And that was the time of his prayer when everything was still and silent. And that's exactly what you and I can actually do. Of late, sometimes the Lord has been waking me up early. At times, sometimes he wakes me up at, at 3 o'clock in the morning, sometimes even 1.30 in the morning, and I can't go back to sleep. And I take that as a signal that God wants me to pray, that God wants me to earnestly seek him. And friends, this is what you and I need to be doing right now. We should be earnestly seeking God in this desert of our lives. I hope we're not missing it. I hope you're not just indulging or engaging in a movie binge of watching Netflix movies. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, we, we should be able to entertain ourselves. But if that's the only thing you're doing the whole day, I don't think that's right. I think that we should be earnestly seeking God right now. Now, here's something very interesting which I found out. It is interesting to know that in the desert, David was not looking for water. Because I'm sure that if you and I were in the desert, one of the things that you and I would be looking for would be water. So here's the big question. Why not water? Why is it that David was not seeking water? Well, here we find that David was yearning and thirsting for God. In this desert of our lives, we need to be thirsting and yearning for God. I'd like to read verse 1 once again. It says, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. I'd like you to take note of what he's saying here. My soul thirsts for you, and then my flesh yearns for you. What, what is this talking about? This is speaking about David's whole being. He was seeking God with all of his heart. And isn't this the first commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind, soul, and strength. And this is what needs to happen. We need to be loving God. We need to be thirsting for God, yearning for God with our entire being. This is what needs to happen in the desert of our lives. Now, what was the purpose of David's seeking? We find this in verse 2. It says, Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David sought God with all his heart in this 
invisible sanctuary. Why do I say invisible sanctuary? Because as I mentioned to you, the temple was in Jerusalem. It was not in the Judean wilderness. But then it did not stop David from seeking God. So this gives us actually a very important and very powerful lesson. And it is this. We must be seeking not the sanctuary itself, but the God of the sanctuary. So as much as we would like to be able to gather together as a church, to be able to gather together and worship the Lord, we need to be mindful. What is it that we are really seeking? Are we merely seeking the fellowship of the brethren? Are we merely seeking songs and, and the band playing music for us? What is it that we are seeking? In so far as David was concerned, his eyes, his spiritual eyes were very clear. His focus was very clear. He understood exactly what it was that he needed to seek. He needed to seek God himself, the God of the sanctuary. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is what we need to be seeking at this time. And may I remind you, by the way, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever we go, we can actually worship. We can be at our home. We can even be in our toilets. We can be in our kitchen. We can be in the dining area. We can be in our garden. Wherever we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we can actually worship God in spirit and in truth. There is nothing that should deter us from worshiping the Lord. Let not COVID-19 disrupt your worship of the Lord. In fact, if the devil is working against us, this should spur us on to greater worship. We will not allow our joy to be stolen from us. We will not allow our peace to be stolen from us. Let us rejoice in the Lord. And again, the Bible says, I say rejoice. Now here is what we see in this particular passage. One of the purposes of David for seeking God is that it says here, to see your power and your glory. And this is what we need to be seeking as well. We need to be seeking God's power and His glory. Remember what we discussed the previous Sunday? Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. We need to be seeking God's power and God's glory in our lives. And here's a promise from the Scriptures. If we seek God with all of our hearts, we shall actually find Him. So as David earnestly sought for God, he found God. Where? He found God in the desert. And friends, that is the same thing that can happen to us. We can find God in the desert of COVID-19. Let us rejoice in that. Now let's find out in verses 3 to 5, the result of his seeking. The result of his seeking is worship. So let me read to you verse 3 at this time. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Verse 3 actually provides the reason why David was seeking God. Let me just read once again to you what verse 3 says. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Now why is this very important? Why is this one of the central things that we need to study in the song? Because the big question is this, what was it that was actually under threat 
in the life of David. Aside from his kingdom, aside from his kingship, aside from his palace, aside from his temple worship, what else was it that was being threatened at this time? One of the things that was being threatened at this time was his very own existence. That is why he is saying here, your loving kindness is better than life. Because Absalom definitely did not just want to depose him as the king of Israel. If Absalom was going to be established as king of Israel, he had to kill his own father. David knew that was a possibility. David knew that he could lose his life in this war, in this battle. And yet, David says here, your loving kindness is better than life. Lord, even if I die, even if Absalom succeeds and I cease to exist in this earthly pilgrimage of mine, Lord, your loving kindness is still better than this life that I have. Now, let's define what loving kindness is. Loving kindness actually here speaks of loyal love. Or God's covenant love, which is actually unconditional. Now we know that in the scriptures, there are many covenants that, that God makes uh, before his people. You have the Abrahamic covenant. You have the Palestinian covenant. You have the Davidic covenant. Now David was aware that God made a covenant with him. And so he was somehow assured in his heart that God's loving kindness will continue in his life. God's goodness will continue in his life. God's faithfulness will continue in his life. And friends, that is something that we can be assured of as well. In fact, let me just tell you this. The loving kindness of God extends far beyond this earthly life that you and I have. Because when you and I die, as Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So death for us is actually not a loss, it is even gain. And the loving kindness of God extends beyond this earthly life. It continues on in the next life. It continues on in heaven and in a far greater way even. This is the reason why David was saying this. Indeed, brothers and sisters, if you have tasted the goodness of God, you, you hunger and thirst for more of His presence. Because as the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. So there is always this insatiable thirst that you and I have. Once we have tasted God, we just want to have more and more of God. If ever God gives me the opportunity to have another book, I'll probably entitle it, Never Enough. Because we will never, ever, ever have enough of God. God just simply overwhelms our soul. We are continually in awe of His greatness and His power and His majesty. David understood this. And so for David... Life is precious, yes. Maybe David still wanted to live on. But he was probably saying to himself, even if I die, even though life is precious, listen up, God is even more precious. Let me say it once again. 
even though life is precious, God is even more precious. And we need to remind ourselves of that. God is more precious than material things. God is more precious than our house. God is more precious than our cars. God is more precious than anything that we can have. Our achievements, our accomplishments, our trophies, our badges. God is more precious than any of all these things. I recall a doctor friend who used to be a member of our church when he discovered that he had lung cancer. He was looking at all of his cars because he was a collector of fancy and nice cars. But when he learned that he only had six months to live, he was looking at his cars in his big garage and he was saying, I'm going to leave all of these things. Once again, friends, let's not put our eyes, let's not fix our eyes on this world, but let us fix our eyes on the Lord because God's loving kindness is better than life. Nothing in life, even our best experiences, can compare to our God. Let me say it once again. Nothing of our best experiences here in this life is better than the encounter of God Himself. You could have, you could have traveled in, in the best places, the best locations in the world. Friends, nothing compares to God because God is always higher and better and greater than His own creation. And so God's loving kindness is something that we should enjoy because it extends far beyond our earthly lives. And so verse 4, we find David saying, So I will bless you as long as I will live. I will lift up my hands in your name. An experience of the loving, of loving kindness of God caused David to just worship God vibrantly and continuously. And this is what needs, needs to happen to us. When you and I have this encounter with God, when you and I have this experience of God, our worship must be vibrant. And we do experience Him in our lives. How have we experienced Him? In the provisions that He has made for us. How have we experienced Him? In the protection of our lives so far as, as far as I know. Everyone that I know in living word has not succumbed to COVID-19. Isn't that something that we should be thanking God for? Isn't that something that we should be blessing God for? Indeed, if we care to look, if we have a keen eye, and if we have keen ears, if we have a keen sense of observation, there are a thousand and one things that you and I can discover that God is doing in our lives. God is at work every single day of our lives. Hallelujah. So let's praise and worship God. Now in verse 5, David says, My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Now this verse actually is a metaphor which alludes to the times when the Israelites would have these Jewish festivals and they would partake of the sacri sacrificial feasts 
of the sanctuary. It was a joyous time. In fact, uh, in our visits to Israel, just the uh, celebration of the bar mitzvah when a young boy enters into adulthood is actually a joyous occasion. It's filled with a lot of dancing, a lot of singing. It's really a joyful occasion. And this was something that David continually experienced in temple worship and in the Jewish festivals. And they were partaking of all these sacrificial feasts. It was a wonderful time. But obviously, David was not talking about an actual meal at this time. What was he talking about? He was talking about partaking and feasting on the presence of God. This is what he was talking about. David was talking about feasting and partaking of the presence of God. And he says, My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth offers praises with joyful lips. I'd like you to take note that in, in this particular experience of God's loving kindness by David, it produced actually two very important things. Number one, he says, my soul is satisfied. So when you experience the loving kindness of God, there is satisfaction. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, only the presence of God, only God himself can fill the vacuum, that God-shaped vacuum in our hearts. And this is something that we have to understand as believers in Christ. Not only that, David says, my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. There you go. So if you're looking for, for joy in COVID-19 or joy in the midst of COVID-19, here is how you do it. Begin to focus on the loving kindness of God and you will have joyful lips that will praise and worship the living God. Now in verses 6 to 10, we find God's display of loving kindness in three areas actually, in the past, in the present, as well as in the future. But first of all, let's talk about the past in verses 6 and 7. It says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. Now, certain key phrases here are very important, and I'd like to focus on two phrases. First, in verse 6, it says, when I remember. Now, why is that very important? When you're remembering something, obviously, that belongs to the past. That's the reason why the loving kindness of uh, God here is found in David's past dealings with God. And then also in verse 7, it says, You have been my help. So obviously, this is talking once again of the past. I'd like to quote to you from Lewis B. Smeads in his book, Keeping Hope Alive. And this is what he states. This is re really well said. He says, A person who has the habit of hope also has the habit of remembering. This is partly because hope depends so much on imagination. Our images of the future are sweepings from our remembrances of things past. If we expect to keep hope alive, we need to keep memory alive. Happy memories of good things we hope for that were fulfilled 
and grateful memories of bad things we actually survived. So let me ask you this question. What are you remembering at this particular time? I hope you're not just remembering the white sand beaches. I hope you're not just remembering your strolls in the park or your strolling in the mall or the watching of movies and cinemas or the restaurants, the meals that you have been eating. You're, you're now unable to eat your favorite dishes. I hope that's not what you're remembering. I hope that just like David, you're now remembering the loving kindness of God. How God delivered you, how God provided for you, how God healed you, how God performed a miracle in your life. I hope those are the things that you are right now remembering. Now David did not just remember his past. It says here that he meditated on them. Now meditation speaks about staying long on what we have remembered about. Staying long on what we have remembered about. And so, as somebody once said, meditation brings more sweetness than remembrance. Let me say it once again. Meditation brings more sweetness than remembrance. So as you try and use your imagination, as you try to remember all of the good things that God has done for you, Try to linger long on those thoughts. Try to linger long on those remembered imaginations. And it will be very, very helpful. Why did David seek God at this time when he was in the desert? Because of the past faithfulness of God. Because of the past loving kindness of God. And because of the past loving kindness of God, notice what he says here. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. You know, one of the beautiful things, brothers and sisters, that, that can happen in our situation right now is that we will not lose our song in the night. Don't lose your song. Don't stop singing for God at this time. When you remember the loving kindness of God, there will still be a song in your mouth and a song in your heart. And that is, by the way, one of the evidences of a spirit-filled life. You never stop singing. You just keep on singing about the gospel. You just keep on singing about the grace of God. You just keep on singing about the forgiveness of God. You just keep on singing about the faithfulness of God. Don't let the devil steal your song. The devil was not able to steal the song of David even in the wilderness. So let us not allow our song to be stolen from us in the midst of COVID-19. Now, David did not only experience the loving kindness of God in the past, but he also experienced the loving kindness of God in the present, as we find in verse 8. Now notice, this is in the present tense. It says, verse 8, My soul clings to you your right hand upholds me your right hand upholds me i'd like you to to highlight that god's past faithfulness has actually caused david to cling on to god and i believe that if you and i remember what god has done for us in the past 
we will right now cling on to God because the truth of the matter is there's nothing to cling on. What will you cling on? Cling on to your bank accounts, cling on to your businesses, cling on to your resources, cling on to your connections. Well, just like the onion, as I mentioned to you, it's slowly being stripped away from us layer by layer. So what do you cling on to right now? David knew where or whom to cling on to. He clung on to God and that is what needs to happen. And by the way, his clinging to God, however, was dependent more on the clinging of God on him. Where do we see this? It says, verse 8, once again, My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Now let me give you a little illustration. Let's just say you are with your child, maybe around two years old or three years old, and you're about to, let's say, cross the street. And as you're going to cross the street, what do you ask your, your two-year-old boy or two-year-old girl to do? Well, you will ask your two-year-old boy to, to cling on to you, to hold on to you. But let me ask you this question. Who clings more to whom? Is it your son clinging on more to you? Or is it you clinging more on to your son? And of course, you know the answer to that. It is you that is clinging on more to your son to bring about his safety so that you could cross safely in the street. And the same thing is true with God. Even while we are clinging on to this God of loving kindness, this God of faithfulness, understand that it is God who is holding on to us. His right hand upholds us, brothers and sisters. What a great God we serve. What a God of loving kindness you and I are serving. So God's loving kindness was seen in David's past, it was seen in David's present. And guess what? He was looking forward to God's loving kindness in the future. And where do we see that? We see that in verses 9 and 10. Let me read this to you. It says, But those who seek my life to destroy it will go. That's why you know it's in the future. Will go into the depths of the earth. They will be. Once again, that is in future tense. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. As David sought God, he knew that God's protection, God's loving kindness would be upon him. And he says here that this is the, the faith of his enemies. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes or jackals in other translations. Now what are foxes and, and jackals? They are scavengers. They're scavengers of unburied corpses. In other words, what David was saying is that my enemies will become dead meat in the presence of God because of God's loving kindness. So what do we see here? God's loving kindness in the past. God's loving kindness in the present. God's loving kindness in the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us, don't we? As the Bible says, do not boast about tomorrow, for we do not know what tomorrow will bring for us. But here's one thing we can boast about. We can boast in the Lord. Amen? 
we can boast in the Lord because He holds the future. Finally, our third and final point is the result of David's earnest seeking in verse 11, and that is joy and vindication. Notice what he says here. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory, for the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. In this final verse, David knew where to find joy. His joy was in God alone, as stated in verse 11. It says, but the king, that was referring to himself. He was the king of that time. But the king will rejoice in God. And this is exactly what the apostle Paul also discovered when he was in the dungeon, when he was under house arrest, when he was chained to the praetorian guard 24-7. He still discovered rejoicing in the Lord. We can find our joy in God in the midst of COVID-19. This is what can happen. We can rejoice in the Lord. But not only do we find joy in the Lord, we find vindication in Him. The Bible says everyone who swears by Him will glory. We will exult in the Lord. We will rejoice in our God. Why? For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. It, was, it, it, it will be the upright who will be established by the Lord. And that's why, again, the result of David's earnest seeking is joy and vindication. And could it be that these are the things that you are now looking for in your life? You're looking for joy. You're looking for vindication. Maybe in previous times, your neighbors were laughing at you because you were a born-again Christian. Maybe they were ridiculing your faith. They were laughing at your faith. And right now, they see you with the strength of the Lord. They see you with joy overflowing. They see that you are calm in the midst of this turbulence. And right now, they're beginning to see the merits of your faith. Maybe this is the time wherein God can actually vindicate you. So these are actually very precious times. Times of joy and times of vindication. So to the question, how do I find joy in the midst of COVID-19? Short answer, G-O-D, God. But then again, let me just remind the viewers here right now. How did this psalm begin? It says, oh God, you are my God. So if you want to have joy in your life, you need to be able to ask yourself this question. Is God my God? The only ones who can actually pray the Lord's prayer and will be heard by God are those who have a relationship with God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Is God your Father? This is a question you need to be answering. And you see, our Heavenly Father is the father of all creation. But he is not the father of all, spiritually speaking. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, To them that received him gave he the right to become children of God. So until that time that you have received Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, let me be straightforward, you are a child of the devil. 
Because you have been born in sin. Because of your total depravity, you have been removed from God. You have no fellowship with God. You have no communion with God. You have no intimacy with God. God seems to be very distant. And it is not that God is not everywhere. He is everywhere. God is omnipresent. In fact, the book of Acts says this. In Him we live and move and have our being. Wherever we are, God is there. And why is it that God feels distant for you? Well, it's because maybe you don't have a relationship with Him. And now is a grand opportunity for you to have this relationship with God. Now is a grand opportunity for you to enter God's kingdom where there is righteousness, where there is joy, and where there is peace. Now how do you enter that narrow gate you enter that narrow gate through one person. It's not through things. It's not through activities that you might do. It is not through your good works. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The book of Acts declares to us that there is no name, whether in heaven or on earth, by which you and I can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there is only one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. So what you need to do is surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Make Him the Lord and the Savior of your life. That is your only hope. And remember this, what He offers you is the free gift of eternal life. Yes, you heard me right. It's a free gift. You don't work for it. You don't perspire for it. It is something that is freely given to you by the Lord. Once you accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life, only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse and wash you from all your sins. So if I were you, I would go to my inner room. I would kneel before God. And I will ask Him to come into my life and He will save my soul. And His loving kindness will extend beyond this life. His loving kindness will continue on in the next life. There will no longer be any weeping as the Bible says in heaven. No more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Indeed, David was right. He was spot on when he said, your loving kindness is better than life. Let's come before the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for today. Thank you for ministering to us by the power of your Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm, Lord, that has provided comfort and even joy in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that the principles we learn today, we might be able to imbibe in our lives so that as people look at us, they will see joy, they will see peace, they will see calmness, they will see the strength of the Lord. So whatever has been achieved today, Lord, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. And for those who continue to support and participate in the work of the Lord, continue to bless them, Lord. Continue to provide for them. And Lord, once again, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So brothers and sisters, 
Once again, God bless you. And if you like what you heard today, this is the time to make some noise. This is not the time to be silent. This is the time to make noise. And that is why I would like to ask you to share this on your Facebook wall, to share this in your messenger, to share this through Viber, share it in any possible way you can do so. I, I'd like you to know, brothers and sisters, we've been receiving a lot of messages, a lot of uh, emails in our inboxes, and they're saying that they're coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they're getting to know the Word of God, they're getting to understand the Word of God. So this is not the time to be lazy. This is not the time to be complacent. If you want the joy of the Lord to spread, well, spread the word around. I'm hoping and counting on you to do that, brothers and sisters. So God bless you all. Once again, my wife says hi. Please stay safe. I'll see you on Wednesday for our table talk. I'll see you on Friday for our live intercession. I'll see you once again on Sunday. God bless us all. Keep safe and stay home.